Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Res Talk podcast. The goal of the Res Talk podcast is to communicate with the broad array of stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. We're looking to provide some thoughtful insights into all the different topics in this rapidly expanding world of residential energy systems and the ratings. The ResTalk podcast is one of the many new ways ResNet will communicate with all the stakeholders. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVACR and building performance markets for about 30 years and have been interfacing with the team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. If you're a consumer and you want to learn more about the benefits of a home energy rating, cruise on over to resnet.us. That's R-E-S-N-E-T.us to learn more. In today's episode, we're going to hear from Steve Baden, the executive director of ResNet. He's going to talk about some of the big, bold plans that ResNet has set up for in improving the home energy rating system as we head towards 2020. Okay, everyone, let's listen to what Steve has to say. This is the ResNet community communicating with you, members of the community, stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem, where ResNet is exhibiting their willingness to engage, hear you, and respond. Today, we're going to cover the big picture with Steve Baden. Steve is the executive director of ResNet, and he's going to address a few of the things that have been going on lately. And actually, this is the first inaugural podcast for ResNet. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Excited about this new feature being launched. So, Steve, tell me, what was the impetus for the podcast itself? We are always striving to communicate to our members, the industry, and stakeholders. And we came fast to the tradition that just the traditional emails and stuff doesn't work. People learn on different facets. So we've developed social media. We have also developed infographics. We've been doing webinars, but this seems to be the new frontier. And so this is just in our element to be able to more effectively communicate with the uh, industry. Perfect. I'm really happy and willing to help uh, ResNet in this endeavor. We appreciate your help. Oh, you're welcome. We want to set the background here. ResNet's got a big goal that was set back in 2016. Why don't you explain that goal to us and see how that really shapes out for you? It's been a couple of years now. How's this going along? The ResNet board, as you say, in 2016 opened, and I would almost call this a aspirational goal that by the end of 2020, 50% of all new homes in the United States receive a HERS rating. That was a very ambitious goal. At that time, we were doing around 150,000 homes a year. We've increased now to a quarter of all new homes sold. We did 227,000 homes last year. But at the rate we are going, we're not going to make it. The ResNet team got together and started looking at this and coming up with an idea on how can we spur this growth to come closer to meeting the goal. We've came up with really, if you think about it, three features. One is to continue to increase the credibility of HERS ratings through enhanced quality assurance and then working to make that software programs consistently calculate the HERS index score. And the final and most important component to this was putting money into marketing and getting the word out of the benefits to home energy ratings and how it can help. And for the first time, we have resources, financial resources, to be able to do direct marketing to consumers, to builders, to code officials, 
and importantly, reaching out now to the real estate industry, particularly appraisers. So the idea is to educate these various users on what it is, the importance of it, and how does it help their businesses by having that done. And with the enhanced and continued credibility then, the idea is to go. What we're going to do is in our board meeting in New Orleans in November, we're going to report back to the board and see where we are and they may be a more realistic look at the go. But until we get there, we're still striving to get 50% of market share. Sure. Everybody has an aspirational goal. What's very interesting and very telling is that did you actually you're measuring it, you're seeing it, you're reshaping your plan based upon the fact that you saw that this doesn't look to be achievable. So you got to do something different. So that's very admirable. When you're talking about the uh, marketing, the direct marketing dollars to consumers, how does that sort of play out? What are the channels? What are the messages that you'll be working with with consumers? We're going to be segmenting it and we're going to be doing research before that, figuring out who is the demographics that we need to aim at and then also then what are the channels that are most appropriate and then the messaging. Uh, While we have more resources than we ever had before, we still do not have unlimited resources for television or radio advertising. But the wonders of social media nowadays is that you can communicate pretty effectively without a large expenditure of funds. If you know your audience, you target that audience, have the effective communications. So we are developing communication channels where staff is going to be developing over the next 30 days is a two-year plan to achieve these goals. And it's going to involve research and then figuring out the proper channels. But we're also going to start focusing on the top metropolitan areas that where ratings are done to expand it and to start enhancing the real estate industry from recognizing these ratings are done. And then we're also going to look at large metropolitan areas where there has not been more ratings done and starting educating builders on the benefits of it and consumers to ask for it. We're seeing a number of approaches is doing, including the pop-up ads on websites or maybe real estate listings, pop ads and featured stories in social media outlets such as Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and also then articles and ads in trade publications aimed at the real estate professionals and the builders. It makes a lot of sense. It's a very classic marketing approach. First, you research, you figure out the demographics, the persona of your average user or your average consumer for the rating. Uh, That makes an awful lot of sense. Are you getting any pushback at all? Or I guess you only haven't rolled this out yet, so you wouldn't have received much pushback. And you have some metro areas where you want to expand. So you have some existing clientele or existing builders, appraisers that understand this, and you're looking to perhaps model after those areas as you go towards other metro areas? That is correct. And then it's also really shifting to the message a bit because in the large metropolitan areas, there are many cases are dominated by large national production builders. And a lot of them are already having their homes rated, as you pointed out. But there are other areas in the country that doesn't have the predominance of large production builders. And that's where we need to start reaching out for more mid-size and smaller custom builders. And I don't see any pushback. One of the key things of this plan is evaluation. We want to continuously evaluate what we're doing. And if a project is not working or the revenue is not working, we want to change that. And if things are working, we want to maybe put more resources to it. So the main thing we're going to set back is to see how effective is this message going through. And it's going to be taken as part of the research is what are the metrics that we're going to use to determine whether this is having an effect or not. It's just besides just a percentile increase in the number of homes being rated. 
yeah, get some more granular data, create these feedback loops for this. And we'll be hearing more about this in a future podcast, am I correct? That is correct. We're going to have our communications director, Valerie Briggs, who's going to actually dedicate a whole podcast to the marketing plan. Let's return to some of the other things that you mentioned there. We were talking about quality assurance and what changes are being made there and why the new approach? I think quality assurance is what separates the HERS rating from anything else or any other code compliance option because we do have a rigorous quality assurance process. We want to step up our game and we've had a couple of big changes that's taken place. One, thanks to the added resources that's provided by rating fees that were increased in 2017, we were able to expand our quality assurance staff by threefold. And one of the most significant pieces we're doing is having a full-time staff person who can go out there, investigate problems, do mentoring, and do infield training. And I think that's going to be the key ingredient because when we were small and lightly staffed, we were mostly focused in on auditing of the past, finding problems, and then doing citations and corrective actions. Now that we have better staff, we can be more proactive. And it's a big change of sort of philosophy from going to compliance and moving from citation. So our goal is, is to prevent the errors through mentoring education so that we don't have as many citations in the past while keeping the idea if there are violations, there would be appropriate uh, sanctions taken. And I think that's a big shift. I think that's the total quality management approach, though, is that we start looking at it and including these enhancements in the front. Because in essence, I've been in this for about 25 years now. I think most people want to do it right. There are a few bad apples and anything, but most people really want to do a good job. Part of the problem in the past was it maybe wasn't provided enough training, enough direction, enough quality assurance. And then the other factor is we're all being human. If you're not being looked at, you tend to sometimes cut corners. And by having more of a consistent and aggressive review, that does it. But our biggest emphasis, though, is going to be on training training the quality assurance designees on their jobs, what they're supposed to do, what's expected of them, and then giving resources, moving from everyone doing 1% of field to looking at if you've not had any problems in the past, maybe you don't have to do as many. And then that would allow the provider more time and resources to focus on providers to raters who are having some issues or not understanding or what. They can spend more time training and mentoring to get them back on compliance. So that's the overall change. The other factor we did that's going to make a difference is that we invested in an infrastructure by which through the database management, we're able to go and look at every rating that takes place. And we have programmed in it a series of flags that this search takes place with and through algorithms. What will happen is that over time, we can find out where there's consistent errors being made and we can be able to detect whether these were just mistakes or actually is there some concern about fraud. And one of the things that will add this is, is that most cases, when you look at fraud, they follow a pattern. They do the same thing no matter what size the house is. And so this is the whole system, which we call QA Genie, is going to be looking for patterns. And then it was able then to flag these, and then our staff can look at them 
determine which kind of issue it is and then share that with the quality assurance. And that automation, I think, will make this much more effective and allow staff that we do have to focus on on-site investigations when occur, but more importantly, the training and mentoring that needs to take place in the field. Excellent. So data automation is going to, to detect patterns and then be able to highlight staff to look into those, investigate those patterns. And Maybe you see something within a certain rater, or maybe you see it maybe system-wide. You see perhaps a weakness and something isn't getting rolled out correctly. Again, this feedback loop that you've created, this is really excellent. It's a lot of classic approaches. Uh, this all kind of came about through, would you say it was evolutionary, or did this come up sort of like a bolt of lightning in the last period of time? Well, it was evolutionary, but the most important element is in 2017, the ResNet board invested in the future of ResNet. Our president, board president, Roy Honekin, challenged staff and said, because we always just said, this is how much money we're planning to make based upon past fees, and this is what we're going to do with it. And he challenged staff and said, I want a budget to do what you need to do. Tell me what you need to do, and we can figure out what it costs, and he'll get the money. And so the board of directors made the decision, bite the bullet. No one likes increases in taxes, but we did raise our rates. And this, for the first time, provided us with the revenue to be able to do these investments. And one of the key investments, as I mentioned, was staffing of quality assurance, staffing for and resources for marketing, and be able to do in this QA Genie approach. But going back to QA Genie, why that becomes so much critical is now we're doing 227,000 homes a year, and it increases about 10% each year. And so we had to come with an automated type of process. Otherwise, we would never, ever be able to figure out what's going on because of sheer value. And so that's why we're exceeded. And so it wasn't an aha moment. It was just to the point as we knew we needed to step up the game. It's been a long-term conversation with the industry, but we finally had the resources to be able to invest in it. It seems like the pieces have all come together. So you'd mentioned when we talked about the marketing, Val Briggs is the marketing communications director. And who are the people that are involved, the new people in quality insurance? Why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, we have Laura Elam and Scott Doyle, and they will be actually having a podcast that will be dedicated to what we call the past and present for quality assurance with ResNet. Perfect. They're going to be able to go into detail what exactly is going on and when it's going to take place and what are our plans for the future. I know Scott, I guess he worked for a rating firm himself, correct? That is correct. He's rated thousands of homes. He was a quality assurance designee for a large provider, and he also did quite a bit of rater training, so we were very fortunate to get him. Yeah, multifaceted individual there. So when it comes to the consistent calculation of her scores, what's going on there? That's got to be important too. I mean, you got to be able to provide the same MPG or whatever by doing the same kind of test. What's going on in that arena? Unfortunately, the current situation is, we've known this for a while, but you would get different scores on the same home using different software. Mm -hmm. And part of that is the ResNet philosophy is that we decided that ResNet was not going to dictate algorithms. We would let it open to the private sector and have a suite of tests. And at first, we've been, this has been a continuous improvement. We developed a suite of tests that basically the software programs have to go through and pass and send to us to demonstrate that they comply with it. One is just the loads test, is how accurate does the software calculate the loads. Then we have what we call the HERS method test, is that is how efficient or effective is the software to produce what we call the reference house by which the home is measured by. And then we have a set of tests that would uh, measure the differences if you change the system's HVAC system, if you change the distribution system, 
and then if you change the water heating systems. So that was a big step. Then the second step we took after that was to come up with some auto flags within the software program that if something came in that was unusual, it would create a flag. And then even to the point where if a software program had something in it that defied physics, you would get a red flag in. So that helped the process of doing quality assurance and then making the software programs go. And then with the adoption of our ANSI standard 301, which is recognized in the International Conservation Code, we took the first step in actually looking at consistency and calculating of scores. We've made big improvements. There are still differences. There's some areas by which we have a lot of work to do on, such as windows. One of the biggest differences between software is the way their systems calculate energy loss through the windows. Interesting. What we're doing is we've entered into a collaborative improvement process, and we've created a standing software consistency committee that was formed by the board of directors. And these people are going to be a series that's going to represent all the software providers and a few disinterested parties. And it's going to be led by a new ResNet staff position, which is called a ResNet modeling director. And they will be on a continuous basis working on addressing these inconsistencies that are identified between these software programs. And the ResNet board of directors is going to give this collaborative process some time to work and see if we can get these improvements. If it doesn't improve over a period of time, then we're going to be looking at biting the bullet and coming up with a single calculation engine so that every software program may have different outputs and reports, but they would all use the standard calculation engine. And that is the last step, but I still like the idea. If you have only one engine, you kind of freeze the market. And I really do believe the idea of competition is good. It reduces price. And then it also innovation. If there's only one tool, of course, it's going to be harder to change. So we're mindful of that. We want to keep competition. We want to keep innovation. But if we can't find any other way to do it to keep that consistency at a tolerable level, we would go to a single engine. Got it. That's quite admirable to be taking that kind of approach and having the patience to do so. That new staff person, is that person in place yet? Or are you still looking to fill their role? No, it would be. This was just approved by the resident board in this year. And so our first job is getting this consistency group formed. And then here in the next couple of months, we'll start recruiting that position. You're going to need a fun acronym for that. I can just see one brewing. The SWSCC. <laughs> Got to do something there. Swiss cheese. Come on. Swiss cheese. <laughs> These are new tools, new techniques, new approaches. There seems like an awful lot of vibrancy and vitality that's coming in, pouring through ResNet. Are you seeing this as a difference or has this always been there and just been sort of quiet and in the background that people really didn't see or hear about this? It's been working. I mean, we've always been on the idea we got to improve the game. You know, the biggest factor I think that took place was back in 2013 when the IECC adopted an energy rating index option to code. With that being the place and this becoming recognized as a cold compliance, it made us look at what we're doing and how do we improve our game because this makes a difference if a home gets approved or not being built. And so we set the internal challenge to ourselves on how we're going to up our game. The board spent a lot of time and we got a lot of working groups and meetings on how to improve that. So it started that continuous process really in 2013. And then the biggest step after that, though, was getting the resources in 2017 to be able to make these investments and move forward. 
And I think that the old Bob Dylan song is good. Those who are not busy being born are busy dying. One of the philosophies of ResNet is we're constantly being reborn and learning and striving to improve. I'm pretty proud of that because the marketplace has followed with us. Because each year, again, for the last five or six years, we've been increasing our number of homes rated. The other piece in there that's going to be important, I think, to understand is right now the ResNet ratings has been focused on homes that are three stories and below. And across the country, the largest growing element in new construction is multifamily housing. And we're in the process of creating an ANSI standard for multifamily. And that's going to be our next area of growth as we then unveil the ability to cover multifamily homes. And then once we start establishing that, if we can get the same traction we did for single family homes, we're going to be really close, I think, of meeting those goals. That'll be pretty interesting too. Now, multifamily probably has some aspects of simplicity, but also some aspects of complexity because of the different modules, the different dwelling units within a multifamily building. So does that mean new standards or adaption of what you're doing now? We're going to be modifying our ANSI standards to cover multifamily, and that's going to require, at the end, once we get these technical specifications done, then we're going to have to have enhanced training for raters because when you deal with a high-rise or a mid-rise dual-use building, the challenges are a lot different than for a single family. But we have the experts working on this committee. I'm hoping this year we go out and be able to start the public comment process on that standard. And I'll tell you what, when we get closer to that, let's do a podcast on that whole initiative. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like these, like this uh, process in 2013 or the occurrence or event of adopting the energy rating index to the code sort of held up a mirror to ResNet. And you looked in the mirror and looked real deep into your own eyes and said, we got to up our game. That's what it sounds like to me. That's exactly right. Things got real. It wasn't just an aspiration here. You're really part of the commerce of uh, home building and the whole trade. If you look at it like baseball, we suddenly found ourselves from Sandlot to the majors. Yeah, I think that's exciting. It really says uh, the original vision was correct and sort of the spirit of wishing to adapt, change, grow has served you very well. So kudos on that. Well, thank you. The whole industry disease. But I go back to our resident board of directors because they had the courage and the faith in the future to make some tough decisions and one, step up our game and then make the investments necessary to make all this happen. It sounds like it was a big commitment, a big challenge that, that Roy threw out there to the board to do so. So, Steve, we covered a lot of ground today, and it looks like we got a lot of ground to cover in the future. And that's what we're really excited to be doing this Reds Talk podcast and want to welcome everyone to this first inaugural episode. And then we'll also encourage you to come back to subscribe. We'll be providing links through ResNet where you'll be able to look into your different podcast apps to be able to download this. And also to do the, if you engage us and subscribe, you'll always be getting the auto updates. So you'll never miss a podcast coming up. It's our goal to produce about two of these per month. So we're looking to stay in a steady stream of communication with the whole ResNet stakeholder community. I want to thank you again, Steve, for coming today. My pleasure. And we look forward to getting the next individuals on to talk about these different software, marketing, and quality assurance perspectives more in depth. And I appreciate your willing to help us make this possible, Bill. You're very welcome. We appreciate the opportunity to do so. We're wrapping up here for our first inaugural episode of Res Talk. We'll talk to you again soon. I want to thank you for listening to this Res Talk podcast. We hope you've learned a thing or two that'll help change your perspective, perhaps prompt some questions, or satisfy your curiosity about the world of ResNet. 
If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or just join the email list to keep up with things. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. And the Twitter tag would be at ResNetUS, R-E-S-N-E-T-U-S. Here's a quote or thought for today as Steve was talking about the future. This is by Eckhart Tolle. The power for creating a better future is contained in the present moment. You create a good future by creating a good present. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you've heard here today or would you like to hear a new topic perhaps covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you've not subscribed to the podcast yet, please consider doing so. As always, thank you for listening to ResTalk and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the ResTalk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn, produced by Brian Orr, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.